This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name's Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them, this podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 37. What the daff? One of the most talked about topics in philanthropy for the last several years has been something called a donor-advised fund, or DAF, as we in the biz tend to call them. Most of the marketing around DAFs, and it is extensive and growing, often makes them sound like the best thing to happen to charitable giving since the invention of sharing. And in a lot of cases, they can, in fact, be a useful tool. However, there are plenty of caveats to keep in mind when it comes to DAFs, and in a lot of scenarios, I'm not actually a terribly big fan. But over the next several episodes, we'll unpack what a DAF is, when it makes sense, and maybe most crucially, when it doesn't. We'll finish up the series by looking at some of the current controversies around DAFs and how Congress has been getting involved. So what is a donor-advised fund? Ah, I'm glad you asked. It'll take a couple of steps to explain, but let me start by identifying the parties involved. First, there's the sponsor. This is the large public charity that creates the overarching donor-advised fund program. Initially, these sponsors were primarily large investment firms like Fidelity, Vanguard, places like that. These days, though, there are plenty of smaller charitable institutions that sponsor DAFs, too, in particular, local community foundations. But succinctly, the sponsor is the manager of the funds. Now, second, there's the donor. This is the person who donates, in other words, makes a charitable gift to the donor-advised fund. Third, there are the operating charities. These are the charities which are doing the charitable work out in our communities, and they're the ultimate destination of the charitable gifts. So how do these three parties come together? Well, first the sponsor creates the DAF program. This is a large fund that has qualified for tax treatment as a public charity. Then the donor makes a gift to that DAF. The gift is generally held in a separate account, usually bearing the name of the donor or donors. Imagine something like the John and Julie Smith Fund at the Large Bank Charitable DAF. Finally, the DAF, over time, distributes the donor's gifts to operating charities. That's when it is actually used for charitable purposes. While the funds are in the DAF, they are invested with the sponsor's other funds, and the sponsor takes a fee from each individual DAF to cover management and administration. So what makes a DAF unique, not to mention so popular? Well, it's the fact that John and Julie, in our example above, made the gift to the DAF with the explicit understanding that they would retain the ability to make suggestions to the DAF about when and where to make distributions to actual operating charities. That's the donor-advised part. The donor asks the DAF to send a check, and the DAF does. However, here it's really important to be very clear. When John and Julie make their gift to the DAF, their actual charitable giving is done. Their charitable gift was to the DAF, and they receive any applicable tax benefits at that point. The property now belongs to the DAF sponsor. From there, based on the gift agreement they signed, John and Julie retain the right to make suggestions to the DAF about when and where to make distributions. And this is crucial. The DAF is not legally obligated to follow the donor's suggestions. In just about every case, it does. I mean, you can imagine the marketing mess if they didn't. But they don't have to. The donors advise the sponsor they do not direct distributions. Furthermore, the donors don't receive any additional tax deduction or other benefit when the DAF makes those distributions. So in a nutshell, that's what a DAF is. Donor makes a gift to the charitable sponsor. 
Donor then advises the sponsor when and where to make distributions. The sponsor virtually always follows the donor's advice, but it is not obligated to. That's the short version of one of the most popular giving vehicles in the country right now. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a rating or review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find The Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter where I am at RossPlan. Lastly, if you have any suggestions, ideas, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 37. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll look at the current landscape of donor-advised funds. You might be surprised to find out exactly how much money we're talking about here. Until then, remember, do well, then do good, but always be savvy.